to the children of Israel. And in particular, what we're looking at here in Jeremiah 29 is a message that was given to those who in 605 were taken captive by the Babylonians and taken back to Babylon. It involved a 600-mile walk from their home to Babylon, which is now, as we know, in Iraq. The culture was completely different. They had a different language that they had to learn. There was no temple. There were no sacrifices that could be made. Every, every aspect of life was completely different. Diet was different. Everything. The Babylonians worshipped many gods. They knew absolutely nothing about the Ten Commandments that were so important to um, the Israelis. And, and we find other insights into it throughout Scripture. In Psalm 137 is a, a snapshot into their Babylonian captivity. The Babylonians came and said, Hey, sing to us some of your songs. And they said, How can we sing the songs of Zion when we're in bondage here in captivity? We... We can't do that. And this letter was sent to them, this message was given to them to tell them how to live. God said you would be in bondage for 70 years. So they knew that. They, many of them were of the age they knew they would never be going back home. And, and so this was written to give them instructions um, how to live in a pagan world. And we'll read down through the first 14 verses of Jeremiah 29. Now these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the remainder of the elders who were carried away captive to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had carried away captive from Jerusalem to Babylon. <clears throat> this happened after Jeconiah the king, the queen mother, the eunuchs, the princes of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen, and the smiths had departed from Jerusalem. This letter was sent by the hand of Elisha and son of Saphan, and Germiah, the son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to Babylon, to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, To all who were carried away captive, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon, <clears throat> build houses and dwell in them, plant gardens and eat their fruit. Take wives and beget sons and daughters, and take wives for your sons, and give your daughters to husbands, so that they may bear sons and daughters, that you may be increased there and not diminished. And seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive, and pray to the Lord for it, 
for in its peace you will have peace. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Do not let your prophets or your diviners who are in your midst deceive you, nor listen to your dreams which you cause to be dreamed, for they prophesy falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. For thus says the Lord, After seventy years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you and cause you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord, and will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord, and I will bring you to the place from which I cause you to be carried away captive. He goes on and gives continual exhortation of some of the things that will happen, some of the judgments that that God will bring. But he, he gives specific advice to these people. Living in a very, very pagan land, and how are they supposed to honor God in this? And we are in the midst of a, a transition from one series into another. And the last series was, where do we go from here? The next series is in the book of Colossians, which the theme of Colossians is Christ is all or Christ alone, or Christ preeminent over everything. And it's all uh, focused on Christ. And as we, as we realize that, um, that is such a key, and we'll come back to mention that in just a moment. But we have been very, very favored to live in a land that has been favorable to Christianity in most all of our lives. We are seeing that change to some degree and and so it puts us in a in a difficult situation how are we supposed to live how are we to live right in a wrong place and and sometimes we don't realize the the intensity of the spiritual battle that's going on and how important it is we're going to play here uh uh short clip of a man, uh, there's several clips put together, a man that is the chief consultant for Klaus Schwab, who is the head of the World Economic Forum, okay? These are, these are directly their words. This is, this is directly from them. They are not, uh, no one has altered these. And um, you listen to this, and I'll make some comments, and then we'll go on how to live. <clears throat> is critical because this is what convinces people to accept, to legitimize total biometric surveillance. If we want to stop this epidemic, we need not just to monitor people, we need to monitor what's happening under their skin. 
what we have seen so far, it's corporations and governments collecting data about where we go, who we meet, what movies we watch. The next phase is the surveillance going under our skin. We now see mass surveillance systems established even in democratic countries, which previously rejected them. And we also see a change in the nature of surveillance. Previously, surveillance was mainly above the skin. Now it's going under the skin. Governments want to know not just where we go or who we meet. Above all, they want to know what is happening under our skin. What's our body temperature? What's our blood pressure? What, what is our medical condition? Now humans are developing even bigger powers than ever before. We are really acquiring divine powers of creation and destruction. We are really upgrading humans into gods. We are acquiring, for instance, the, the power to re-engineer life. Humans are now hackable animals. You know, the, the whole idea that humans have, you know, this, they, they have this soul or spirit and they have free will and nobody knows what's happening inside me. So whatever I choose, whether in the election or whether in the supermarket, this is my free will, that's over. I mean, all this story about Jesus rising from the dead and being the son of God, this is fake news. I know that in recent years, we saw populist politicians undermining deliberately the trust that people have in important institutions like universities, like respectable media outlets. These populist politicians told people that, say, scientists are this small elite. This okay, just a few clips of what they believe. This is not some... You can go to their website, um, World Economic Forum. You can pull up and get the whole things in this. This is no longer hidden. And, and to understand the monitoring of people, the surveillance, I mean, if, if you hear this, to me the, the most um, disturbing of this is we as human beings are acquiring the divine. We are gods. We can make life. What did Satan say at the very beginning in the Garden of Eden? You can be like God. And that pursuit is still there. Um, they, they mentioned they are developing life. And that human beings are now hackable. That means they can put things in and can control. And uh, this, isn't, this isn't science fiction. This is real life stuff that, that is developed and is happening. But to say, you heard him say, and maybe you didn't understand it, all this story about Jesus dying, rising from the dead, that is fake news. That was, that was his word. So... This is the world that we're living in. And you might say this, this has got to be a little tiny sliver of people in the world today. Um, if you, thankfully, we live where we are, so probably the majority of people around us don't think that way and believe that way. 
But if you, if you get out into, um, you'll get the drift of this, Iowa City, Ames, Cedar Falls, Minneapolis, and other places, you will find it is very, very much a reality that is a pursuit after. And, and I don't have time to go in, and I'm not, this is merely introduction. What I'm saying is we are living in spiritual warfare where mankind wants to be God and there are people that think they are God and they are creating an anti-God. They are opposed to God and they say Jesus Christ is fake news. It didn't happen. It isn't real. And we are the ones that have the answers to the world's problems. We are the ones that will bring utopia and um, you have to trust us and follow us. And when they say trust the science, they don't mean the scientists that are in the laboratories doing the test. They mean the science of the power, those that are in power. But we're in this world. You didn't have a choice. You were born at the time you were born. You're living in this world. And now, how do I live in this world? What are we supposed to do? Well, there are principles that Jeremiah gave to the children of Israel in Babylon that are principles that apply to us today. And you notice what he said in in this passage. Giving them how to have right living... In a wrong world. He didn't tell them, um, criticize the Babylonians, start a newsletter pointing out how wrong they are and what they're doing and mocking them. He didn't, he didn't say to sit around and wring your hands and say, oh, when will this 70 years be over? <clears throat> Rather, he gave them some positive steps of action to take. And he said... In verse 5, verse 4, this is what the advice to those taken captive. He said, verse 5, build houses and dwell in them, plant gardens and eat their fruit, take wives and beget sons and daughters and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands so that they may bear sons that you may be increased and not diminished. He basically is saying, live life. Yeah, there's a lot going on around you. There's a lot that you don't like. But I haven't called you to shut down. I haven't called you to run to the mountains and build a prepper society and hide from everybody. He said, I want you to live life. I want you to settle in here. You're going to be here 70 years, so build a house. And plant gardens. And what he's saying is live life. Have a family. Have your sons and daughters marry. Live life. Now, you'd think, man, that's the first thing God tells them to do. It is. If you don't live life, you can't do anything else. See, and, and if we just shut down... Well, I'm not going to do this because the Lord's coming. Or I'm not going to do this because it's so evil to bring up a family. I'm not going to have kids because who would want to bring up kids in these days? 
There are people all throughout history that look at our days that we're living in today and say, I never, ever, ever had it that good. And yet we are filled with fear. And the first thing God says is live life, build houses, do not withdraw from society, have strong families, and establish a a foundation for a society. Have families. Have children. Have large families, he's saying them. Be increased and not diminished. You know, there's a reason God didn't tell us when He's coming again. It's because if we knew when He was coming, all Christians would go borrow thousands and millions of dollars from the banks and go live up to their height and know they weren't going to have to pay it back, right? <clears throat> There's other reasons. We'd, we'd quit living. <clears throat> we'd quit planting gardens. We'd quit planting seed. If, the Lord, if you knew God was coming January 1st of the coming year, it would affect everything of how you lived. I mean, farmers would say, why should I plant crops? I've got enough to live till January. Let's, let's go tour. I mean, gas, six bucks a gallon around the country, that's no problem. We can take our retirement. God's coming January 1st. If that was the way it was, that's how we'd live. And God said, you, no man knows the day or the hour. So live life. You have to live like you're going to be here for another hundred years. And you need to um, understand that God could come at any moment. But the reality is, the first thing he tells them is to live life. Have strong families and build a strong family and, and be a godly parent and raise up children in this pagan culture. So the first thing he says is live life. Then he says in verse 7, And seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive and pray to the Lord for it. <clears throat> He's saying be a good neighbor. Seek the peace of the community that you let live in. The word that is used there is, is shalom. But it's, it's not just peace meaning tranquil. It brings a sense of blessing, a sense of prosperity and wholeness and favor. So he says, the community you live in, the neighborhood you live in, the community you live in, the county you live in, seek to make that a prosperous place. Seek to make it whole and complete. Seek its peace. Seek its favor. Do what would make it favorable for that community. Take care of your property. I mean, again, there have been people throughout the ages that Believe they knew when God was coming. They set the date. And there have been people that knew He was coming on such and such a date. They went to their housetops on that date. Why would you go to your housetop? If God's coming, you don't have to help Him by being on the top of your house, you know. 
But again, they thought God was coming, so they didn't paint their house. They didn't take care of their house. Why should I do that? God's coming. No, he says do what brings favor, what blesses, what is good for the community. Build up and establish. See, the more pagan we become, the more undesirable it makes places to live. And, and you look around, and, and you, you go to communities or nations that have had a strong, I'll just say, religious influence, and those people take care of things better than pagans do. Why? They understand they're a steward of what God has given to them. And so here he, they are living in Babylon, and he says, I want you to bless these pagan Babylonians. What? Come on, God. No, I want you to bless the community. I want you to bring them peace. I want you to build relationships. I want you to meet your neighbor's needs. I want you to invest in the community. The statement is made, a rising tide lifts all boats. See, and, and the more, I'll just say, good people there are that do what's right, it makes everything better. So here God is. He's writing to these Israelis, and he says, live life. You're here. Settle down. Live life and bless your community. Be a good neighbor. Bless the city. He says specifically, Pray for your community. Pray for its economy and its safety and its politics and its salvation. Bring the gospel. That is uh, uh, something that raises a rising tide. But, but in a practical sense, he's saying, be a good neighbor. Bless the community that you are in. So he says, live life. Be a blessing to the community you're in. Do all that you can do to invest, to build relationships. And then notice verse 8. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Do not let your prophets or your diviners who are in your midst deceive you, nor listen to your dreams which you cause to be dreamed. For they prophesy falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. So now he gives another exhortation. He says, I want you to be discerning. Not everybody that's talking about Jesus is from God. He says there are a lot of false teachers. And he's specifically saying there are people that are prophesying to you and they're telling you the wrong things. At this point, some of them were saying... Don't worry, we're not going to be here long, so don't, don't put down roots here. And in our day today, it is important for us that we don't believe everything because these are days of deception. And I am specifically, I'm not even talking about the media not believing that. I'm talking don't believe everything you hear in Christianity either. That comes from 
quote-unquote Christian sources. We've already seen there is coming a day that there will be a great falling away. We are seeing that already. And, and people that, that at one time were true to the Word of God are now teaching things that contradict the Word of God. And turn with me, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. There are many in Christian circles today who are teaching doctrine that is contrary to the Word of God because they want to build the following. They think this is what people want to hear. Notice 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 13. For such are false prophets, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. So he's saying, there are going to be false teachers, and they will appear as Christian. He said, why should that surprise you? Satan appears as an angel of light. Satan doesn't come in a red suit with the you know, horns and a pitchfork and a long tail. Satan appears as a minister of righteousness. And his servants come as ministers of righteousness. And they teach falsehood. And so he's saying, in the days we're living, we need to be very, very alert. We need to have a, a discerning spirit. John wrote in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 1, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits to see if they are of God or not. How do you try the spirit? Well, I had this nice, warm feeling in my heart. No, you try the spirits by the Word of God. Does this teaching match up with the Word of God? Is it biblical? Is it in line with the Word of God? So, in order to do that, you have to personally know the Word of God. You have to personally be a student of the Word of God. And not just that you need to know it, when something comes up that you let it drive you to, hey, I don't know, is that right? Let it drive you to the Word, that you study the Word, that you search the Word, and that you be very discerning. Just because it is Christian, quote-unquote, doesn't mean that it's true. And just because someone has been true to the Word of God, doesn't necessarily mean they are today. What I'm saying is, you can't, you can't take anyone fully, I know they are truthful no matter what, because every one of us as human beings can go into air. The only thing we can always trust is the Word of God. And, and that's why it's so important that we know the Word of God, and that's why our faith is in God's Word, not in this teacher or this preacher or this person, because they will fail us. And in the last several years, we've heard of, of many instances of individuals having major failures that 
that I personally were blessed by and looked up to, and, and yet at the same time, they are just like you and I. And we must be very discerning in just because someone has spoken the truth, it doesn't mean that they are yet today. I don't mean to make us all skeptics, but at the same time, we cannot be, be naive. So he says, be very, very discerning. Live life. Be a good neighbor. Be discerning. And then notice verse 9. Well, verse 10, for thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you and cause you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. So he he says to them, here's a promise I'm giving you. In 70 years, I'll come and restore you. And he says, I know the thoughts I think toward you. I love you. I have thoughts of peace toward you. And what he's saying is, rest in the character and the promises of God. In the midst, they lived in a wicked, wicked pagan society. And God said, be very discerning and I want you to rest in the character of God, knowing that God is good because you may be thinking, what in the world? God allowed them to come in, take us captive. He allowed them to lead us 600 miles far far away from family and friends, and we're in bondage here. This God is good, and God loves me as a bunch of baloney. No, no, you rest in the character of God. There may be days that you will go through that seem very, very dark, and it seems like God is a long way off, and you have to come back and rest in the character of God. I know this is what God said in His Word. I know this is who God is. I know this is a promise of God. And I may not not see how it's all going to come about, but I know this is what God said. I know that God is holy. I know that God is all-knowing. I know that God is a very present help in trouble. I know that God will never leave me nor forsake me. I know God's ears are open to my prayers, and it may seem like He's not listening, But I know this is who God is, and we rest in that. And we come back and we know the attributes of God, and we know the character of God. That's why you read the Bible. You read the Bible to get to know God, to get to know Him, so that in the midst of difficult times when maybe carried off into bondage, that you say, I can rejoice in the promises of God. I know this is what God has promised, and it may not look like it today, but I can rest in God. I know God said, fret not yourself because of evildoers. Man, look at all these evildoers. Psalm 37, fret not yourself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious about wicked men. And he goes on in that and he says, remember, they'll soon be cut down like the grass. They'll wither as the green herb. 
But he says, I want you, again, similar things. Trust in the Lord and do good. This is what he's, this is what he's saying. We must know God. We must rest in His character and promises and do good. Live life. Be a good neighbor. Be discerning and rejoice in the promises of God. Rejoice that God said, peace I leave with you. Not as the world gives. I don't give that kind of peace, temporary. I give a permanent peace. That we rest in those promises. And then you notice he says in verse 12. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord. And I will bring you to the place from whence I cause you to be carried away. Notice he says, you seek me and you will find me. You search for me with all your heart and I will be found of you. So lastly, he's telling us, keep first things first. We can get so caught up, okay, I'm supposed to live my life. We can get so caught up in building our house and planting our gardens and planting our crops and living life that we forget what's first. We're supposed to do that, but it's to seek first the kingdom of God. I'm doing all this so that I can represent God's kingdom. I'm doing all this. I'm seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And then He will help me have wisdom and provision for what I eat, for what I drink, and for what I put on. That's what He said. That's the promise He gave in seek first the kingdom of God. So it's... it's, Keeping first things first. What are the first and greatest commandments? Number one, love God. And number two, to love others. Okay? Am I loving God in what I'm doing in this life? Am I loving others? Everything we do should be an expression of our love to God for what He has done in forgiving our sins. I mean, God, I was condemned already and you sent your son for my payment of my sin? Wow. I need to give you my love. You are deserving of all of my love. And yet, you can't love God without loving others. It's not just, I love God. No, you're going to be concerned about others. Our ultimate mission, and we touched on it last week, our ultimate mission is to be an ambassador of Jesus Christ, to point other people to Jesus. And in this life, the Jewish people in bondage in Babylon, God was using it to refine them and purify them so that His power would be seen. God is at work in our lives, refining us, purifying us, puts us in some difficult situations at times, so that we can represent Him, so that we can show this is how God's people respond to this bad, bad news. 
This is how God's people respond and still able to have joy and still able to have peace. God has called us to represent Him. So, our concern shouldn't be that we're all wrapped up. Oh, you see how bad this is and how bad... You need to be aware of it. But God has called us to live in this bad world that for all likelihood will become more antagonistic against God and against anything of Jesus Christ. And yet that shouldn't fill us with fear, but to cause us to say, you know what? God's put me here for this time. I'm going to live my life to its fullest. I'm going to be a, a blessing to my neighborhood, a blessing to my community. I'm going to be a good neighbor. I'm going to seek the peace of those areas I am in. I am going to ask God for a discerning spirit to recognize truth and air that I may walk in truth. And I am going to rest in the promises of God in the midst of the darkness, in the midst of uncertainty. I have the promises of God that I am able to stand on and rest in. And I am going to keep first things first. I love God. I'm committed to His purpose. And I love God and I love others. And I am, I am wanting to grow in that and develop in that more and more and more until I either die or He calls me home through the rapture. And that's, that's it. God's plan, His advice was no different for the Jewish people as it is for us here today. And our hearts ought to be filled with, with anticipation, joy, um, delight. Man, God has a purpose for me here. It's not just to, to take my little family and, and help guide us through this dangerous life and hopefully we don't get scarred by it. We're here to make a difference. We're here to, to be used of God as an influence, as salt, as light in the darkness. And so God has called us to love as He loves. I'm going to ask Jason if he'll come and, and lead us as we sing that song. Um, love as I love. I mean, you know, you can get off in anyone. If all I, if you took away from here today, I'm supposed to, to live life. Boy, that's what I'm, I'm going to go do this and go do this and go do this. No, you live life. So you can represent Christ and love others. It's not this life is the sole purpose. What he's saying is don't withdraw from society. Don't, don't do anything thinking the Lord's coming so it doesn't matter. No, I need to be busy about the Lord's work because he's left me here to love God and love others. You think of that as we sing this song. <clears throat> One forty.